It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Welcome to episode 187 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatel of Z92.5 and Sportsnet Michigan with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and Jared Fatel of Valley Sports Detroit calling in from the Motor City. Well, Michigan and Michigan State again won. Both go to 6-0. The Lions keep fighting but keep being the Lions, hashtag since 57. And speaking of the Lions, former Nittany Lion and award-winning sportscaster Reggie Walker will be joining us to talk some college football. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about our unbeaten team. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage, and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Well, fellas, we're uh, we're getting a little later in the week uh, recording this week, doing it on Thursday night in front of the Thursday night NFL game. But uh, how you guys been doing this last week? I've been good. I know somebody who's not doing very good right now, and that is this random guy who I happened to have a run-in with on the highway the other day. So Uh-oh. <laughs> I went to pick up a couple of my buddies from DTE, and uh, it was about midnight. They went to see Dirk Bentley. I was working late, so I figured, you know, I'll just swing by, pick you guys up on my way home from work. So I pick them up, and let me just say, I've never been to DTE. It looks like one hell of a venue. It's cool, a giant parking lot. One entrance into this place looks like it goes straight downhill. As soon as you get through the entrance door, it looks awesome. But on the way home, about like I said, it's about midnight, 12.30, 12.45. We're just getting on the on-ramp, or we're getting off the off-ramp, right as we got on off of DTE, heading toward back toward Detroit from Clarkston. Yep. And this car ahead of me is, like, kind of swerving back and forth, you know, quit, like hitting the, the uh, yellow line all the time. So I'm kind of keeping my distance from this guy. We're both taking this exit ramp together. He's going maybe 15 miles an hour off this ramp, and he goes directly off the <laughs> ramp right into the ditch, right in front of me. Oh. <laughs> and the two guys I'm with are just sloshed, so I'm like the only one that knows what the heck's going on around here. So I throw on my hazards, I part, and we start walking over to this guy, and he is just like thrashing in his car, like slamming on reverse, sliding in the mud can't get out of this ditch uh and you just put two and two together i'm like yeah this guy is drunker than shit right now and so i just said you know what i'm getting out of there there's really nothing i can do to help you i don't even know if i want to help you (laughs) so for all i know that guy's locked up in a drunk tank right now but uh yeah hopefully you guys had a little bit less interesting of uh weeks than me that's probably why he was trying to get out of that ditch because yeah he didn't want to call the cops and you know, he probably knew he was going to get in trouble if he called the cops. But I was, when you were talking about DTE, I was just going to throw it out there. I bet, Ted, whenever you hear DTE. Oh, it's Pine Knob. Probably shake, you shake your head a little bit, yeah, and you think of Pine Knob, right? 100%. 100% I never call it DTE. It's Pine Knob. It'll be Pine Knob forever till I die. Yeah, yeah my, my parents are the same way. I mean, they've, they've, they've gone to shows, obviously, since it became DTE, but they still call it 
still call it Pine Knob, but definitely a really cool. So I, I highly suggest Jared going yes. and whenever you can find a show, find time or whatever, going to see a show there because it, it, it's an awesome time. But yeah, it, I've I've done that before. You know, you do the late shift. You kind of I guess take one for the team if you got some friends out at the bar, out at a party or concert or something. You're like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll help you guys out. I'll be the responsible one. I'll, I'll come pick you guys up. But then, like, when you're the completely stone, stone-cold, sober one, just getting off work, you know, probably a little tired, like, going to something like that, you realize, like, <laughs> how many people probably should not be on the road. Like, as my, my yeah. wife and I talked about it. Now it's been a couple years, you know, because concerts kind of just started coming back. But it, So it was probably, like, two summers ago. I think it was when we, we were leaving the Luke Combs concert. And similar venue to DT, the one down here in Charlotte. And... We, we were saying that, like, I mean, it was packed. I mean, it was Luke Combs, you know, pre-COVID, obviously. So, like, just, like, elbow to elbow, as packed as it could be. Right. And I think probably 95% of the people there were partaking in adult beverages. So, like, there's no way. I, was, I just remember saying, like, there's no way all these people should be driving home right now. If a cop wanted to, he could just be, like, picking people off one by one. But yeah. You just hope everyone makes it home safe, but yeah, that's a crazy story. Ted's probably listening to this thinking, man, back in my day, that was just kind of how we roll. <laughs> he probably saw some drunk guy go into the ditch every other day and jumped out of his car and helped the guy get out of there and get back on the road. It is, it is kind of sad to say. I mean, it is kind of how we rolled back then, and it's, it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that uh, uh, some of the stuff we did get away with, obviously today's day and age and the drunk driving rules, a lot more stringent, and the cops pay a lot more attention to it. And, and so it should be, you know. But uh, I was just going to say, though, I, I, I echo what Matt says, Jared. Uh, in the next year or two, you got to pick out a show or two and go check out the DT experience it's amazing in fact uh tomorrow night uh kiss is playing there it's the final show of the season i had tickets earlier in uh, october but it got postponed or it was actually in september and it got postponed because covid hit the band and i had a bailout for tomorrow night's show but uh i was really looking forward to it and it is a great great venue to watch a concert doesn't get much better than than pine it Knob. looks like it and if is there one band that you guys have kind of you really want to go see like that's your next concert for me and this matt you'll probably get a kick out of this the most my cousin and my uncle went to a dave matthews band concert uh-huh. and i don't know how to explain it but ever since then i've been my, my brain's been wrapped around a dave matthews band concert so they're next on my list but uh what is you some of your guys yeah i mean ted I, i'd be curious to hear yours because i i bet at this point You've probably seen basically everyone you want to you want to see. Also, I'll be curious to hear what you have to say. But the Dave Matthews Band thing—I mean, that's definitely from more from my generation. But I mean, they're still playing, obviously, making music. But I have a, a bunch of friends who are like, who are who are like how Ted is with Chi Town. I mean, they go to <laughs> four or five yeah. Dave Matthews Band shows a year. They'll go to like California. They'll travel all over the country to uh, see DMB shows, and it's it's like a Dave Matthews Band shows are like a, um, it's almost like a family type of thing. Like, I bet people go to these shows and they, like, know who's going to be there and stuff like that. It's like season tickets. So, I, yeah, I, but I haven't gone. I bet they put on a good concert. I've always heard that it's a really good show. So that would be cool to see. But to answer your question, there's two. And, and like, I have to. I have to go see these two bands before they hang it up. It's the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters. And the Chili Peppers actually are coming to Charlotte. They already announced this, like, huge show next summer, and they're playing at the stadium where the Panthers play. So I'm like, I'm going. I, like I told my wife, we're going. I don't care what, what the cost is because I don't know how long you're going to be touring and stuff like that. So, like, so we're going to that. So, yeah, the Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters for me. Those are two good ones. I mean, uh, Foo Fighters, I definitely would go and pay money to go see them. I'm really looking forward to Billy Joel coming up next summer i mean it's already been two summers <laughs> like three summers in a row they keep postponing that yeah yeah but i like matt said i've seen most of the classic rockers out there in my time i guess a couple comes to mind uh you know i, I saw led zeppelin i saw the rolling stones i saw paul mccartney's that's the closest i'm going to get to the beatles but a uh, couple groups out there i wouldn't mind seeing before they hang it up the who with roger daltrey and pete townsend even though it's not the entire band uh they have a 
huge collection of of great classic rock songs and also U2. I've always been intrigued by U2. I like their music and uh, those are a couple that I would throw out there I I would definitely go see. And I was looking forward actually to seeing Kiss again. I saw them in 1976 up at CMU. You know, and you know, forty-five years later, I was kind of looking forward to seeing the the greatest show on earth, as they call it. But uh, unfortunately, not going to be able to see them. But uh, that's on I, my list. I kind of forget, I, I, and I probably should know the answer. But is is Kiss? Is it still the original members that are touring? Two of them. Two of them. Uh, you know, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, the two main members. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the other two originals getting back together, but they had some internal fighting. Again, I talked about it on a Tedertainment a while back. Uh, the Kiss biography on A and E is the ultimate, uh, you know, biography on the history of Kiss. So if you ever get a chance and want to kill like three hours, check it out. It's really good. Do they still go like full regalia with uh, face paint and all that stuff? Oh yeah, face. Like that, that could be kind of depressing. Like you just remember when they were like teenagers or like the rebels in their twenties. Now they're like sixty years old. Probably got beer guts on them. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but I think wearing the makeup probably helps them a little bit. You know, I mean, <laughs> they don't they don't look as old as they really are with the makeup on. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a beer gut or two there, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's quite a spectacle, a, a kiss show with the fireworks and the the blood spitting out by Gene Simmons. It's it's very unique for sure. Just to catch you up a little bit, guys, on. My last weekend was just a whirlwind as uh, I went out to uh, Goshen, Indiana to my niece's wedding. Had a tremendous time down there. Hopped in the car after that, drove a couple hours, got a quick hotel room, and then drove the rest of the way out to uh, Arlington, Virginia to see my uh, my granddaughter Harper and uh, her mom and dad had a great visit. You'll appreciate this, Matt. And, and I, Jared gets on me. I know he's just teasing about uh, my infatuation with my grandchildren, but... Uh, you remember when Claire was two or three years old and just out of the blue, she would say she loves you, right? How how that just grabs your heart? Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter what else is going on in your day. Everything goes away. Absolutely. <laughs> well, my wife, who really is, she's a special grandma for sure to Harper and Parker, but... Uh, she was in the bedroom reading to Harper a, a, a nighttime story, you know, before bed, and she got her to roll over and, and close her eyes a little bit, and she turned, she rolled back over and told my wife, just out of the blue, I love you, Grandma. Now, that just that, that, that just gets you, man. I know, I know it made my wife's whole weekend. I got, oh, one, yeah. I got one more story for you, and it has to do with grandparenting and, and parenting on your end. The next granddaughter, Parker, Jessica had taken her to a, a park or a pumpkin patch or something with a friend of hers, and there wasn't the best bathroom facilities, so Parker had to go. She's potty trained now, and she, you know, and Jessica's looking for somewhere to let her go, and she just took her behind a tree and, you know, pulled the pants down and went. Well, today, when she picked her up from school, uh, the teacher said to her, to Jessica, hey, you know, I have to report this to you. It's no big deal, but I guess on the playground, Parker went full bare butt and uh, took a leak. And <laughs> and when Jessica was asking her, she says, Parker, wh- what were you doing? She says, I had to go potty, Mom, and I went on the mulch. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, she remembered. <laughs> so that is classic. So that's what I've been doing, just catching up on the grandkids. Those, those things are funny because, right, I mean, kids, they, they remember that. Hey. Mom said it was okay when we were at that park. Why shouldn't I be able to do it at school? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> That's funny. No, it, it is funny to see, like, hearing your stories about being a grandparent and, like, you know, seeing my parents with all their grandkids. And you can just see, like, you know, you always hear the stories about how, like, being a, a grandparent's the best thing in the world because, you know, you get to schmooze them and, you know, like, I don't know, baby them yeah. and spoil them and all that good stuff. And then you just give them back to the parents. So you get all that good stuff. So. When you when you get to read a nighttime story and all that, that's that's definitely got to be the coolest thing. Hundred percent. And the and the next the youngest one, Sloan, she's got a number one her her first birthday party coming up, and I found out from a little birdie that she really loves donuts. So Grandpa's going to take care of her coming down the road with donuts. I can tell you that. <laughs> where now, knowing you, they'll probably be where are you getting them from? Uh, Tim Hortons or the gas station for a dollar? <laughs> Uh, it depends. It depends. I might splurge and go to Lance's or whatever, you know, see what I can come up with. 
Does it really matter to a one-year-old? Do they care where you That's get a donut say, I'm from? I'm kind of joking. You might as well just get the little tube of the like chocolate covered donuts that sit in the gas station for like three years. You might as well just grab a roll of those. <laughs> oh, no, my dad has those sitting on the counter, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other further catch-up, fellas, before we get into meat and potatoes? College football, we're, we're in the thick of that. I know high school football for you guys. Starting to get down to the wire, right? Playoffs around the corner. Hundred percent. In fact, you know, I, like I said, I took a little hiatus vacation t- last Friday night, and Bart uh, Bart filled in as play-by-play and worked with uh, our uh, salesman at the radio station, Dave Millar. Boy, did I pick a good night to to take a break. They had four delays in the game because of lightning. They wrapped up the broadcast at about five minutes to midnight last Friday. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to bring this up, and I, so I'm glad you said that because I did want to bring it up and ask you guys. So um, I have my, my nephews go to Perry. Right. They, um, their mom was in Perry, so they're they're going to the Perry schools. And but the oldest nephew is a freshman in high school, and um, so they're you know Perry's not very big, so they're able to play on varsity. And last Friday, so similar situation to to the game you were just talking about, they had multiple delays. And finished the game on Friday night. My, my my nephew's mom told me that they finished at like two in the morning or something crazy. Whoa, really? Yeah, they finished. I, I want to say she said it was like one thirty in the morning when they finally finished. And I'm sitting here like that. That just seems like one. Just maybe maybe I'm a dad now, but it just seems dangerous. But also like, I mean, what do you do for, for like four or five hours waiting for this? This delay until one in the morning—that just seemed crazy. That is crazy. That's... I, I, I hadn't heard anything like that before. No, the uh, the Rockford and Caledonia game I was at Friday did not start until nine o'clock. Which I'll say this about the delays: if it's a Perry football game, or really like eighty percent of the high school football games that take maybe even ninety percent of the high school football games that take place every single Friday, just postpone it till tomorrow. Who really cares? Right. Uh, like, are you really going to make people sit there and wait? It's not like it's the Super Bowl. Make them wait until 10.30 to pick this game up. There, it's not like it's the Super Bowl. There's no reason why it can't be played Saturday morning. So that's something that I just have always had a problem with. But at, at least they got it in, and at least it, hopefully it's some sort of funny story. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, we played like Fenton, and I think that game had like a two-hour delay on it. And the funniest thing about the delays the team can't be on the field, right? Um, but the fans are just sitting in the stands, which is maybe the yeah. most electric, like uh, lightning drawing thing on the entire facility. Is those metal stands? So it just, it's just so <laughs> hypocritical and kind of stupid when you're sitting there watching it. I was going to say, especially at the Nick with those nice aluminum uh, uh, grandstands or whatever. But it, it's funny, my junior year, Ted, you you remember that stretch? Like late 90s, early 2000s, it seems like the Corona Owasso game was always in some sort of delay. I feel like my sophomore year, they had to finish on Saturday. I feel like maybe a couple years before they finished on a Saturday. But my junior year against Owasso, same thing. You just said, Jared, lightning delay. We had to stroll over. We I don't know what you guys did or like where your game was. We went into the middle school at Corona, and we were all just like chilling in the hallway in the middle school, you know, like still full pads, sitting here just like, like, what do you do? We're just sitting here, like, BSing, you know, we're in high school, so we're just being stupid. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, all right, guys, get back up. we got to go out there and finish this game. It was just, like, such a crazy thing to have to deal with. But, right, fans still just sitting in the stands while we're in the middle school. Yeah, amazing. I got. I have one more story on this. got funny and kind of bad looking back on it. My junior year, Jim Harbaugh's very first game, it was a Friday night versus Utah. And our football game was, like, starting at 7. The Michigan game was starting at like 8 o'clock, and we were in a, a lightning delay against Montrose. And maybe the loudest cheer that's <laughs> ever been uh, yelled in a Corona football locker room was when they postponed that game until the next day so that everybody could go home and watch that Michigan game. It sounds kind of <laughs> bad when you're thinking about you would rather just go home and watch Michigan football than play in an actual football game. But that's exactly how I felt. I was ecstatic that it got postponed. <laughs> go blue, man. Go blue. Well, uh, I, that's that Perry story you just gave me there, Matt. I mean, that's the latest I have ever heard in our area for a game to finish. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah, in, insane. Yeah. Well, that's our catch-up portion. We're going to talk some serious college football coming up next with uh, a pod favorite, Reggie Walker, right after this. 
Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500 square foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, so next up on the pod, it's been a little while since we had Reggie on and since we're in the thick of college football. And before we started recording, we, we mentioned it's even better when Michigan is playing well to have a guest like this on to talk some college football. So uh, Reggie Walker's joining us again. For, for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't already followed him on Twitter, head over there at rwalk13. Give him a follow and keep up with everything that he has going on, all these college football games he's calling and everything he, every, everything else he has going on. So, Reggie, thanks for joining us, man. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to talking some ball with uh, a damn good crew to talk ball with. Hey, man, we, we definitely appreciate it. So, I, I kind of – I guess I kind of mentioned it uh, when I was teeing you up a little bit. Michigan's playing well. So, the first thing I got to ask you, you know we're Michigan fans. We uh, Listeners, people who don't already know, you played at Penn State. So, you're, you're a Penn State guy. You know Big Ten football very well. How big is it right now? Like, what do you see out of Michigan? Like, a lot of people are starting to say, are they for real? Is uh, Kate McNamara not going to be the quarterback to take them over the top? Or is he, like, a good game manager? Is the defense for real with a new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald? Does Harbaugh have that fire back, that juice that we saw when he came to Michigan? Like, what what are you seeing? Just, like, overall, what are you seeing out of Michigan this year? I I mean, I think you look at a football team right now that I think first and foremost, and I don't know what, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and beat you to death and quote stats left and right, but it's a football team that's balanced. And what I mean by balanced is when you're balanced, you can run the ball when you need to, and you can throw it when you need to, period. It's really that simple, and this is a Michigan team right now uh, that's able to do that. And and I think you know, anytime you do that, you've got a defense. Hey, look, I, I don't know exactly what they're calling, but it doesn't look like they're doing a whole lot of overly complicated things in terms of what they're asking their defensive players to do. And I think that's important. Um, you let those guys just be fast and run to the football and make plays. You know, now to hit you with a couple of stats, I, I think they're giving up just under 191 yards passing. And usually when you're a 6-0 and football team, you're going to give up 250-plus because everybody's trying to come back. And right. so they're throwing the ball and throwing the ball and throwing the ball. That's not happening with Michigan because they're also able to run the football and beat you up that way, take time off the clock, and still score points. This is a team that's putting up 245, 246 yards a game on the ground. So when you watch Michigan play, you see the balance, you see the decision-making. And I look at the quarterback position and I say, look, people say game manager left and right. I don't believe in that term. And the reason why I say that is because your job at the end of the day as a quarterback is to not lose. Just don't lose. And if it means you throw for 12 yards and, and, and no interceptions, then that's what it means. Like, I'll give you guys a great example. I remember, and I, I can't remember exactly who they were playing, but I remember Virginia Tech when they had Michael Vick. They won a game 55-7. to Michael Vick's line was 7 for 21, 70-something yards, and an interception. No touchdown passes. And they won by 40. At the end of the day, take care of the football. Don't make mistakes. 
stay ahead of the chains as a quarterback, and you win football games. That's what's happening at Michigan. Is it always pretty? No. But is it always ugly? No. It's they're finding ways to do what they have to do to win games. In general, Reggie, your experience uh, as a player and being around good coaching staffs. How important is that? You know, it seems like Harbaugh has kind of turned the corner. I mean, he's come back in better shape. He's brought in some different coaches, maybe a few younger minds to, to, to kind of change the whole mindset down there. You know, obviously you got to have the talent with the players, but how important do you put, or how much importance, I guess, do you put on a good coaching staff and a good game plan week in, week out? That's huge because it starts with belief in what the coaches are telling you in that it will work to get you a win. And so when you have a coaching staff that is able to teach and explain and, and, and put that game plan together in a way that the players understand it and respect it uh, and are prepared to execute it, and it fits their skill set, they'll play better. And, and that's the beginning of it, right? Player development is very important as well. That's something that I, I look at. Uh, what Michigan has done, and, and, and really and truly, if you look back even at the whole Harbaugh era, I think they've done a pretty good job in terms of player development everywhere, uh, with the exception of maybe the offensive line at times. Um, and I think the only one that, I don't want to say this in a bad way, that, that they kind of never figured out what to do with was Jabril Peppers. Uh, he was right. so athletic, so versatile, had so many skills, and so they kind of just played him in a bunch of places. And when you do that, I think you can take away from the player that somebody can be. But by and large, I think this Michigan staff, in general, has done a pretty solid job of player development. I think they're doing an even better job this year. And I think that fan base is reaping the rewards of that because you're seeing it uh, come together in the way of wins and a team that's undefeated right now. And listen, I'll say it, it, as good as Michigan looks right now, and I'm not going to sit here and try to predict it, but this is the right year, right, with all the turmoil going on with playoff expansion and that conversation coming up and the SEC uh, grabbing Texas and Oklahoma in a couple of years and all this realignment stuff going on. Oh, by the way, you look up and the Big Ten East, which features Michigan and Michigan State, I know some fans here, more Michigan fans don't want to hear about Michigan State, but it's the truth. The Buckeyes as well. I, I won't call them by their other name because I know Michigan fans don't even say that. Uh, so the Buckeyes and then obviously Penn State, four teams sitting there in the top ten from the same division. And then five from the conference if you add Iowa. I think this is a great year for the Big Ten to look the way it's looking. And, and even better for the folks in Ann Arbor, Michigan's in the thick of it. Reggie, I need you to do one of two things for me. Either push me off the ledge or bring me back to safety. Uh, Michigan, every year, we do the same little dance where first, you know, five, six, seven, eight games, they look really good. Defense looks really good. And once you know at the last game of the regular season, every year, Ohio State hangs about 60 points on us and beats us by 30. So is, is this Michigan team different, or is it basically going to be the same result as soon as we get in the heart of Big Ten play and start playing these top ten teams? Well, I, I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, I, think, I think Michigan is a, a, a better team than we've seen in, in years past. Well, remember, this is a team that, and I'll give them credit for it, they just went on the road in, in the last two games, put up 70 points on the road. Uh, that's not something we've seen from Harbaugh, Harbaugh coach teams in, in recent years, which hence the struggles. But listen, two tough road tests left, right? Got to go to Michigan State, got to go to Happy Valley. Those are going to be tough. I think Maryland, we're seeing the real Maryland starting to show up. They're, they're starting to fall apart. And then, obviously, Ohio State at the end. I think the thing that's made it so hard, I think, at times for Michigan, dealing with the Buckeyes in recent years, is the Buckeyes have looked invincible much of the year. Even if they had lost the game by the time they played Michigan, they had looked invincible. This year, not so much. What Oregon did to them, I think, really not only – obviously beat the Buckeyes, but I think it took some of the mystique away from the scarlet and gray, and, and I think in the long run, that's going to be a factor and that's going to play well for Michigan down the stretch. To, to yeah, piggyback think, back off that, uh, Penn State, I mean, you're a big Penn State fan. You played there, obviously. Are you kind of kicking yourself that this was sort of your guys' year? I mean, midway through the Iowa game, you guys were looking like the best team in the Big Ten. Sean Clifford goes down. You guys end up losing that game. 
are you and then now you look at where James Franklin's getting recruited heavily by USC are you kind of thinking you guys missed your chance to maybe win the Big Ten and then make the college football playoff no because they're still in it all you got to do is find a way to win the rest and, and win the east and you're in it I think if they play Iowa again in a neutral site game for the Big Ten title I think Penn State's able to win that game so yeah, there is some concern about the, the Franklin stuff, but at the end of the day, you have to feel like you can find a way to win the Big Ten. Everything that you want is still in front of you if you're Penn State. Yeah, I think my, my thing with that, kind of like if, if I was going to answer Jared's question there, I was talking to some buddies the other day about this. I'll, I'll be shocked if anyone – I think Iowa probably said it pretty well to, to run the table. I'll be shocked, though, if anyone in the Big Ten East ends up undefeated in the conference. Just because they, like you kind of laid out, they all have to play each other. Michigan still has to play all those teams. Michigan State still has to play Ohio State, Penn State. Like, I feel like if someone's going to lose, you know, obviously when Michigan, Michigan State play, someone's going to lose. Like, if, if someone ends up running the table and stays undefeated, I don't, Ohio State already has the one non conference loss, but I just, I, I don't know. I don't see it. Maybe Ohio State puts it all together and runs the table, or maybe this is Michigan's year. Who knows? But I'll just be shocked if someone from the East remains undefeated. Um, the rest of the season. The question I wanted to ask you, though, Reggie, kind of piggybacking when, when Ted kind of asked you his question earlier, I wanted to come off of that and say, you know, something that I've talked about on this podcast before when I'm talking about college football, mostly Michigan, is players holding each other accountable. Yes, you need a great coaching staff. Yes, you need a great game plan. Harbaugh maybe kind of lost a little bit of his edge there for a little bit. You need great coaching. But I feel like the biggest thing to me, what I saw was, players not necessarily holding each other accountable. It seemed like players at Michigan for a while were mostly, yeah, you know, they were probably working hard, taking it seriously for sure, but they were mostly thinking about it seems like the next step, getting to the the NFL. And, you know, maybe they weren't putting in the work in Ann Arbor to, you know, the the pride, the team, the team, the team, you know, the whole thing we always hear about at Michigan. And it seems like everything we're seeing, it's a little different this year. It seems like these players – love each other. They love playing for each other. They love playing uh, for Jim Harbaugh. The, the running backs love playing for Mike Hart. The, the defense loves the new defensive coordinator. So, like, kind of, like I said, coming off of Ted's question about the coaching staff, how big is it, though, in, in your opinion, for the players to, aside from the coaching, to look at each other in the locker room and say, yo, guys, it's on us. we got to go out there and perform. Well, they're playing for each other, and that's what coaches talk about all the time. And I I'd be, I'd be lying if I told you I didn't think that Jim Harbaugh probably pulled some examples of Tom Allen at Iowa, or Indiana, I should say, talking about his football team last year and talking to his football team last year uh, with his Leo term, love each other, and, and telling his guys, listen, if we're not playing for each other, if we're not playing for the maize and blue as a whole and we're all here playing for ourselves, we're going to continue to get beat. You know, a divided group is a group that's going to get hammered. Uh, a, a, a united group is a group that has a chance to win everything in front of them. And so you add that to, to obviously some player development. Uh, you add that to some experience. And all of a sudden you look up and you got a football team that's sitting there at 6-0 and midway through the season. Who else can ask for anything more? 100%. I mean, yeah, they're on a roll right now, and they got to keep it going, and they get a chance to regroup with a bye this week. But, you know, I want to kind of switch it over to uh, the neighbors just Seems down like the Everybody's on a bye this week, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, but uh, the neighbors down the road in East Lansing, I mean, the job that Mel Tucker has done working that transfer portal, I mean, there were so many question marks coming into this season. You know, we're – we're all Wolverine fans. You know, I like my Spartans too, except when they play Michigan. But the job that he's done over there, the the, the breakout uh, stars with Naylor and some of the others like Kenneth Walker, I don't know how he got out of your neck of the woods down there, but the job that Michigan State just sitting there, you know, they're definitely a team to reckon with, right? They are, and and it's because they, they still have – a semblance of playing pretty solid defense. They're not the D'Antonio defenses that we used to see uh, when when he was at his heyday with with Michigan State. But they're playing good defense. And then when you play good defense, and now all of a sudden, and this is the scary part, guys, they have a clue on offense. They just have a clue. You don't have to be great if you have a good defense. But if you have a clue, you got a chance. And you got two guys in Walker and Simmons who can run the football. Uh, They're throwing the ball. With efficiency, you know, Peyton Thorne, is, it's, he's at 62% completions. 
He's at a 70-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. They have a clue on offense. He's not throwing for 400 yards a game. It's only about 250, 260. But what he's doing is he's being efficient. They're giving him throws that they know he can make, especially early in games, to get him in a rhythm. Then they're mixing in that run and that pass uh, to really keep the other team's defense off balance. And then on the flip side, they're just playing really good defense because what they're doing is uh, they're, they're staying balanced, they're staying ahead of you, and they force you to throw your way back in the game. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier about Michigan. What's interesting is they're not giving up a lot of passing yards, which means their defense is lights out. Michigan State, they're giving up over 300 yards passing. Why? Because everybody's behind. So they don't look as much like an anomaly, but the difference is they have a clue on offense and they're making you chase them from behind in terms of points. This is a Michigan State offense that loves to run the football, and that's never changed. Old-school Big Ten downhill running style. They're over 215 yards a game on the ground. Anytime you can do that, and I mentioned Peyton Thorne throwing the football, got receivers that are willing and able to make plays, a competent offense, and a good defense. Now, again, it's not elite defense that we've seen from Michigan State in the past. You just don't screw it up on defense. You can turn out to be exactly what Michigan State is right now, a really good football team that has a chance to be great if they continue to improve. So Big Ten Judgment Day is coming up on October 30th, Halloween Eve. Looking ahead, do you who do you see? It's Michigan versus Michigan State and then Penn State versus Ohio State. Of those two matchups, uh, can you give us maybe an early prediction uh, as an unbiased fan in the Michigan-Michigan State matchup and then as a Nittany Lions fan in the Penn State versus Ohio State game? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the funny thing is the, I think these two games are probably going to look a little bit similar. I, I think for Michigan-Michigan State, it's going to come down to taking care of the football. Do not turn the football over. Uh, I think whoever has less turnovers and the most rushing yards in that game wins that game. And I know that sounds very easy and simple, but what that means is if I can control the line of scrimmage, I can do whatever I want, I can keep the football away from you uh, and force you to be impatient on offense and, and try to force big plays. And when you try to force big plays, you make mistakes. And when mistakes happen, you lose ball games. It's that simple. Uh, also, you look at this matchup, Michigan and Michigan State, uh, one of the things that you know I, I pay attention to uh, is the hidden yards. Uh, and so you watch the kicking game. You know, Michigan State does a solid job in the kicking game, and, and so does Michigan. And, and so who makes a mistake in special teams, whether that's a, a shanked punt, right, when you're backed up in your own end and now all of a sudden they got a 30-yard field or a 40-yard field, uh, or who uh, maybe attempts a fake and doesn't get it and sets somebody up in really good field position, or a block punt, a block field goal, something like that, that turns into immediate points. That's the thing to watch, I think, in, in the Michigan State-Michigan matchup. So we're obviously, you know, we're, we're talking a lot of Big Ten, but there, there is other college football out there, right? There's there a is? Lot of, there a lot is? of great games going on. <laughs> yeah. a, lot of, a lot of big upsets already. Um, obviously the big one, Alabama fi- finally lost. It looked a little human, I guess, if you want to say it that way, against Texas A&M. Uh, where, where do you kind of sit, like, bigger picture? Do you believe in Georgia? Because, I mean, you, you know as well as anyone, and if you talk to any Georgia fans, yeah, they're excited to be number one, but similar to Michigan, until Georgia beats Alabama, none of this matters. So if, if they beat, if they meet Alabama in Atlanta for the SEC championship, none of this matters if they can't beat Alabama. Are you believing Cincinnati? Do you think this is the year that Kirk Ferentz and Iowa, like they're for real? Or like kind of, so like, I guess bigger picture, where, where you, what are you kind of seeing? Yeah, I think it's interesting you say that. I, I think Georgia's legit. Uh, I think the problem is they don't know what the hell's going on with their quarterback, JT Daniels. I mean, if if they can't get that shoulder, I think it's a lat injury to be specific, figured out to where he can play full games for them, uh, they, they don't have a chance to win an SEC championship. I like Stetson Bennett, great kid, great story. I get all that. And he gives them a little bit more in terms of the quarterback running game, but he can't make some of those precision throws to those great pass catchers that Georgia has. So if they don't have JT Daniels or if he continues to have to nurse this injury, I don't have a lot of stock in Georgia to be able to complete the mission, which is beat presumably Alabama in the SEC championship game and then do something major in the, in the college football playoff. Uh, with Alabama, I look at them and I go, <laughs> Bryce Young, young quarterback. At some point, he was not going to look great. And if that messed with the one game where one team was able to find a way to, to get Alabama's defense a little bit confused and in a rut, 
that was going to be when they lost the game because you, you can't expect a young quarterback, and, and I'm not saying he played poorly in the game, but you can't expect him to carry you completely through every single game throughout the year. He's young. And, and the one thing you can guarantee with young players is inconsistency. And when you have that, and, and Alabama has young guys in a lot of places. They lost some defensive players uh, to injury as well. So not making excuses, but A&M took advantage of the situation and was able to knock off Alabama, and that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, so, but I do think Alabama's legit down the stretch. Guys, I, I think this is it's going to be an interesting year because if somebody finishes undefeated in the Big Ten East and they play Iowa, and let's just say Iowa beats said team, you're going to get two in from the Big Ten. If Alabama and Georgia play and Bama beats Georgia, now you've got four one-loss teams that came from loaded conferences, at least this year. Consider That's assuming everybody continues to sort of keep their winning ways, if you will, and only lose, at least in the Big Ten East, if they only lose to each other. So the problem becomes, is there room for Cincinnati? But I'll say this, if Cincinnati wins out, and let's just say Georgia wins out, and Iowa wins out, those are probably your three. But the question becomes, is the only loss for, say, Michigan in the Big Ten championship game against Iowa? If it is, maybe interesting to see if they take Michigan over Cincinnati. Same thing, if Georgia's only loss is in the SEC championship game to Bama, I think Cincinnati's in trouble. And so I think the reality for Cincinnati is they need everybody to have a loss and they need probably a conference champion to beat a team that already has a loss. The best-case scenario for Cincinnati is the Big Ten championship game and the SEC championship game features two teams with one loss going in because that would eliminate, per se, the two-loss team at the end of the situation. That's the only way, in my opinion, Cincinnati gets in. That's provided they went out. No, I think you're spot on. It's kind of sad to think about. I mean, we I think we all kind of are rooting for a group of five teams to get in the college football playoff just to see what would happen. But it just seems like it's almost never going to happen until we expand the playoff. But I have a take for you. You let me know if you're on board with it or not. I've said it to these guys uh, a few weeks ago. I think this is shaping up to be the best college football season we've had in about 25 years for a lot of the reasons you've kind of laid out. One, I think we don't have one – team that's kind of unbeatable like Alabama's been for the last 20 years. Fans are back in the stands with some of the best atmospheres I think I've seen in the, since I've been born 20 years ago. We have everyone, every one of our teams, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, is in the hunt for uh, a title legitimately. Do you think that this is the best season that we're going to see for a long time? Because I personally think it is. First and foremost, can we trade? If you say only 20 years since you've seen it, I want to be 20 again. I'll go with that, number one. Let's start there. Uh, But, no, I I do think it has a chance to be that. And I think, guys, it's it's amazing how things work. Remember maybe four or five months ago, right, when when this whole Texas-Oklahoma thing came up, going to the SEC in the midst of the talk of the the college football playoff moving to 12 teams, potentially up to 12. The thought was, well, the SEC is going to have most of the teams in. That's why they're doing this, so they can get more teams in. Well, the, quote, alliance, which we all laughed at at the time, I'm not going to say it's working, but if what they were saying in spirit is actually happening, it is working because they were able to shut down, as E. Gordon Gee predicted, they were able to shut down that notion of voting this year to expand the playoff when it was, would be in an exclusive rights window, and I can say this, guys, I'm not, I don't, this is not your opinion, this is mine, because I don't work there anymore. <laughs> to thwart the concept of maybe ESPN being able to negotiate exclusively from a TV standpoint um, to block the other networks out. The Alliance, which is the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac 12, they were going to vote against that because they want all networks to be involved in the bidding process so there would be more money on the table. Well, damn it, if there wasn't a year to make that happen from an on-field standpoint, you got the Big Ten that's risen up, giving you five teams in the top ten to match what the SEC is doing with four or five teams in the top ten. That's what they needed to buoy and bolster their argument. And we can only imagine if Clemson was still what we many of us thought they would be at the beginning of the season and the Pac-12, somebody had a damn clue out there, 
all of a sudden, this would be the perfect scenario for the Alliance, but it's still stacking up really well because of what's happening in the Big Ten, because at least right now we can say from a ranking standpoint, again, we're looking at the AP poll, not the college football playoff poll, all that, get all that. But from a ranking standpoint right now, you can say it's the SEC and the Big Ten. And with Bama losing, there was that conversation that it was Bama, Georgia, and then a whole bunch of other teams. Well, now I think Bama, like we talked about with Ohio State, that mystique of Tuscaloosa kind of got knocked off a little bit. They look beatable because they've actually lost the game. And so you add all that up, and I think this is a perfect scenario, and I think we're going to have a great, great bunch of games down the stretch. And I'll tell you another one. Look out for Coastal Carolina, too. They're sitting there undefeated, and as all these teams start playing each other, if they just keep winning, all of a sudden they may end up in the top ten, top eight, and be in that mix. And, and uh, do I think they're going to get in? Probably not. But if all of a sudden you've got two group of five teams in the top ten uh, and, and a bunch of big ten teams and SEC teams with one and two losses in that same top ten, it's going to be interesting to see what the committee does with that. I'll tell you what, you can tell we all love our college football, and Reggie, you really uh, you really bring a good analysis here whenever you join us on the pod. I got one final question before we let you go. Um, actually, a two-parter. We're, we're seeing right now, heading into week seven, the Big Ten obviously as strong as can be, you know, five top ten teams. But when it all shakes down after the 12 games, are we going to see the Big Ten slip a bit in the national rankings? you think this is the real year for the Big Ten? And I'll just leave that as the final question. No, I think it is a real year. And I think it's a real year, but it's a dangerously real year, right? Mm-hmm. It's a real year in that if we look up at the end of this thing and Michigan is sitting there undefeated going into their game against the Buckeyes Ooh. and the Buckeyes have one loss, uh, I think we're going to have a, a really good conversation. I think if we look up in four weeks, uh, you know, going into the last week of the season and everybody in the Big Ten East all of a sudden has two losses, then I think you have a problem because then the conversation, right, it'll start to kind of look like the same thing we've seen from the Pac-12 the last four or five years. A bunch of teams with two losses, uh, or you know, and a few others with three losses and nobody can get in the playoff. And so that's the scary part when you have a bunch of really good teams in the same division it's somebody's going it's going to cost somebody the problem is the perception when it happens in the SEC west right when you have bama and texas a&m and auburn and lsu when they beat each other up the conversation is well it's just such a tough league when it happens in the big 10 they go see we told you somebody was overrated so the national perception is the problem and the reality is which i i've always thought was hilarious to me is People change the narrative on what games matter in terms of non-conference. Do they matter early in the regular season, or do the bowl games matter to determine which conferences are good? The SEC will tell you if it ain't a playoff game, it don't matter, because oftentimes, I shouldn't say oftentimes, plenty of time, they will lose those games to non-conference opponents, obviously, and then say, well, we didn't care, we didn't prepare, we, were, we, we didn't want to be there because we lost and didn't get to the college football playoff. Well, okay, if everybody can use that argument, we're good. But the problem is the national perception is no other conference can use that argument except the SEC. Right. Just outstanding stuff as always, Reggie. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us here at Three Point Podcast. Uh, again, before you go, tell our listeners best spot to follow you. And you got a big game coming up Saturday, do you? Uh, you know what's funny, guys? Uh, speak, I'm, I'll answer the second part of that first. I don't know how in the world this happened, but somehow I do Gardner Web Radio. They're on a bye week. I do Charlotte uh, TV, 49ers. They're on a bye week. Penn State, bye week. I don't know how that happened, but everybody's off. It's amazing. So I'm going to just enjoy and watch a whole bunch of football games, and uh, I'll be tweeting and talking trash because if a coach starts tricking a game off, I will be tweeting about it. So find me on Twitter at rwalk13, rwalk13. Uh, is the best place to find me. I'll be on Twitter all day on Saturday. Well, we'll be there following you for sure. Reggie, again, thanks for the time, and uh, enjoy the rest of this football season, man. It's going to be awesome. Anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. 
Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general, advanced elevator company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you. All right, guys, I, I mentioned it a little bit in the uh, in the preview of the podcast. Uh, SOL, Lions rally from 10 points down in the fourth, take a 17-16 lead on a two-point pass against the Vikings with 37 seconds left and lose. I mean, <laughs> you do have to just kind of laugh and shake your head and go, this, this is our team, this is our Lions, nothing's changed. Let me know what you, you guys think about this. So, I tweeted it out on Sunday. I'm annoyed with Lions fans every Sunday. We act like we just lost, like, the Super Bowl. I'm seeing pictures and videos of guys, like, crumbling to the ground as they made the field goal. Who cares? This team is horrendous. They are so bad. And people act like they're on the verge of making a Super Bowl run. We want to lose these games. Ted, you're probably the number one guy who seems like you're still, like, kind of sad over this. Like, we want them to lose. We want the number one pick. Why are people getting all upset and crying and crumbling to the floor when we're losing these games? Yeah, they're heartbreaking losses, like, in how they happen. But at the end of the day, who really cares? And that's what – I've had that same opinion since this season started. Uh, And you just look at, like, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's crying afterwards. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, we love to see that from our head coach. He really cares. I see that, and I think it's only been five games. This guy's been the Lions head coach. I've been a Lions fan my entire life. All it took was five games for this guy to break down in tears. I, I don't know. It just, it just, it. I love his heart, but something about it just doesn't scream NFL head coach behavior to me. There's a little of that, but I will say this, and and I do agree with you. Uh, it, it didn't break my heart. They lost the game. It's still when you're watching it in the heat of the battle, you go, oh shit, you know, here they lost another <laughs> one. But but the Campbell thing, and and the and the team themselves, I kind of like the fact that it means that much. I mean, this team, you said it right from the get go. They're crap. There, there's not much talent on this team, and the injuries are mounting. You know, they didn't, they don't have enough depth to cover what's been happening. But I have seen, at least with what I've seen so far with Campbell and the staff, and how they approach games. I mean, they do care and care deeply. And I think in the future, I think that bodes well. I mean, time will tell, and we'll see if you know if if Campbell's the right guy. The, the, the tearing up at the press conference didn't bother me at all just because it just showed me how much this means to him. That, that's just my viewpoint on it. Yeah, I mean, my, my initial reaction when I saw it was a little bit like what Jared said. Like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I, I don't care about the emotion. I mean, I, I get emotional all the time. I, like, all of that, because I saw some people saying, like, you uh, uh, shouldn't be crying. He's a grown man. You're, you know, like, trying to throw that stuff out. That's stupid. That is stupid. I, so that, that part I don't mind. But, like, to Jared's point, I was a little bit like, oh, man, only after five games he's already kind of, like, breaking <laughs> down like this. You know, I, I was a little bit like that. But then I kind of, you know, thought about it a little more, watched it, and I thought, you know what, maybe kind of like what you said, Ted, I, I think this dude, like, true, every head coach says they want to win. Matt Patricia said he wanted to win in Detroit. Every head coach says they want to win wherever they're coaching. I think this guy genuinely, truly wants to turn things around in Detroit and, like, will do anything he can to make that happen. So on, on that side, I, I do, I'm starting to turn. I think he might be the guy, if anyone, is going to turn around the Lions. Maybe this is the guy. Now, can he actually coach, develop players? Can he actually game plan and all that kind of stuff? That, that we'll, we'll find out in the next couple of years, you know. But, you know, I, the whole press conference thing didn't bother me. As far as the Vikings game, I mean, I, this this says it all. I took two naps during that game. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I like about mid-first quarter, I dozed off for a little while. Oh, I woke up in the third quarter. I went, 
oh, cool, they're still losing. Dozed off about in, about in the fourth quarter when they kind of started coming back. And I was like, all right, cool, I'll watch the end. And then I had the reaction that I've been having every week, same as what Jared said. Uh, I'm as invested. I, I'm still as big, a big of a Lions fan as I always have been. Not, I don't care about this team like I used to because I know they're terrible. So when I, they, they took the lead, Vikings got the ball back, and I just went, they're, they're going to lose this game. They're going to lose this game. Sure enough, they did. And like you said, Jared, I saw all the fans going crazy, probably still trying to blame the, ref, the refs like they have been for 50 years. And it's just like, and <laughs> you all need to like, just – just enjoy the game a little bit. Just sit back and enjoy the game. Maybe maybe make yourself a nice lunch while you're watching the game or something. But The way enjoy. they've been, I mean, it's like they're playing like bingo or something with how they lose these games. And if I was in that locker room, put yourself, in, honestly, put yourself in their situation, these losses they've been having week after week. I mean, how do you not break down in tears at the postgame presser? It's like a new heart-wrenching, rip-your-heart-right-out-of-your-chest loss every week. And, and we're as fans, like, you know, Matt's going in and out of naps during the game. These guys are living it. Like, I just don't know how you even keep showing up to work, keep putting in the grind hours, and keep, like, listening to Dan Campbell like he's some, like, prophet. It's just it's just heartbreaking, and you got to have some sort of, like, remorse for those players in that locker room that actually have to live this. That's the one thing that I have thought about, like, quickly, uh, is as much as I just said that I, I, I think Dan Campbell might be the right guy, kind of like what you were saying, Jared. I wonder if they start off 1-12, <laughs> you know, if they go winless this year, will his, like, his, I guess his uh, – his shtick. I don't think it's really a shtick, but you know, like his, you know, his uh, right. passion and everything. Will it wear thin on the players? You know, like if things really start going bad, will the players be like, "All right, man, that's enough." Like I'm just trying to get to the off season. That that's the one thing I wonder. Yeah, we're gonna see what he's made out of when it gets to that point. Because let's face it, they may not go winless 0 and 17, but they're not gonna win more than one or two. Are we in agreement on that? That, that under, what was the the over-under set? It? it was four and a half, I think. Four and a half, under yeah. Under is looking pretty nice. <laughs> it, it, it definitely is. But, I, again, we'll see, if it gets to the scenario you just painted, that's going to be real rugged. You know, they need to pick up a win here pretty soon just to get their sanity back. But uh, as bad as, uh, you know, they've, they've been suffering these tough losses, they have played hard, you know. And, I mean, that can't go uh, – that's not underrated. I mean, if you're keeping this bunch together and if you look at the draft choices they have coming next year, I don't know if they're going to get a franchise quarterback next year. I'm not sure about that. I really think they ought to go for a like a pass rushing defensive end or something just with the number 1 pick. But if they can pick up a quarterback in a, you know, second or third round, maybe to work with them, we'll see what happens. But I think you know, they got to make baby steps in this season as we all agree. It's lost, you know run it out, you know, it's time to take multiple naps in these games. But if, if the team keeps fighting hard, it could build something in the future. That's all we can hope for. Now, somebody's future that is not so good is John Gruden. What in the hell happened this week? The thing that boggles my mind the most about it is the fact that he, he just did it through emails. Yeah. Like, what a weird, like, like that's just idiotic. Flat out idiotic. Uh, how do you send emails like that like i it's i guess it's i'm not gonna say it's like it's not dismissed it's still horrible if he's saying these things out loud but at least that's just kind of his true colors this is a little bit of one you're kind of a dirtbag and two you're just a freaking idiot to be sending these emails through company email addresses to company employees like just what the hell were you doing man for that reason alone you should have been canned yeah, I mean, it, I saw some people talk about that. It. It's like a generational thing. Obviously, the language he was using, but then, right, not thinking like, hey, man, you're leaving a paper trail by sending these emails. Like, it may not happen in a year or two, but, like, at some point, this might come back on you. And it obviously did. And, it, you know, it stinks because I think most football fans liked John, John Gruden. He was great in the booth when he was on Monday Night Football. He seemed like a cool coach. But now that, like, a lot of people have started coming out, like I saw Keyshawn Johnson and Marcus Spears and some other former players and stuff talk about it. And, and they kind of said, like, this is kind of who he was. Like, the what you saw in front of the cameras and stuff like that was who everyone liked, you know, Chucky and John Gruden and all that kind of stuff. But in the locker room, he wasn't necessarily a player's coach, apparently. And so as far as, like, when some people were like, man, I'm shocked. I didn't think that he'd be this way. 
this kind of stuff, I, it doesn't shock me at all anymore. If anything like this comes out with anyone, I'm just like, oh, yeah, sounds about right, because it, we're, we're clearly, like, still, there's still a lot of issues with stuff like this in our country. And, you know, it, it, does, it, it does suck when it happens because, you know, it makes you kind of realize how far away we are from kind of fixing this stuff. So hopefully it's the type of thing that someone sees a figure like him go through this, and they, if, if they're still using language like that and treating people like that, they look themselves in the mirror and say, you know, maybe it is time to change. Well, you know, and the, the big national story is it's he's kind of the the scapegoat of the league right now. There's there's the Washington uh, management. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. There's the NFL themselves and Goodell really kind of staying silent. I mean, are we going to be hearing a whole lot more from different organizations of other other stuff like what Gruden did? Do you think? Well, it's, from what I've heard, is that basically the NFL only leaked the Gruden part of these emails. Apparently there's a lot of other people that uh, were on these emails or they've heard about them or they've reviewed them that, that basically they're upset that he was the only one that was outed mm-hmm. uh, because of this. So I know I, I think stuff like this happens all the time. Uh, it's, it, we, we talked about it last week with Urban Meyer. There's no way Urban Meyer is the only coach that's doing some shady business along those same lines. Uh, and the same thing goes with Gruden. I will say this, Matt, you touched on it a second ago. I wish Gruden wasn't this way because he was great for football. He really was. Uh, the Gruden QB camp, I used to watch that all the time when I was a kid. I've probably seen all, every one of those episodes like three times. He was great in the booth. The Raiders were so interesting with him as the head coach. Finally this year, it seemed like they had a legit team. And I guess it's not a bad thing that he's going down. It's, it's not a bad thing that he's going down because he deserves it. But you just wish that he was a better guy because he was entertaining as hell uh, when he was in the football realm. Yeah, I, I guess maybe to answer your question, Ted, I, I, it seems like with everything around the Washington football team and everything else with this whole John Gruden, everything that they're investigating, I would assume something else is going to be coming out. I don't know when or if they're still having to do their investigation, but it, it sure would seem like something else is coming out. You know, one, one thing I just wanted to maybe close on this, like he, in his like initial statement, he said, he, he basically said at the end of his statement that he never intended to hurt anyone. And I feel like that's, like, part of the problem. Obviously, like, with a lot of stuff, whether it's, like, language or actions, you know, what you do or say, intent is such a big thing. You know, like, a lot of times people say, like, I didn't intend to hurt you or I didn't intend to, uh, to offend you. And there, there might be something to that. Like, and, and that is part of the problem. Like, him using that language, I mean, Ted, you know, you came from a generation where there was a lot of language that was just, like, normal. Oh, yeah. And nowadays, you know, it's kind of change where it's like no this stuff is actually offensive to a lot of people a lot of people i mean we we've just been saying there's a reason why it's the washington football team now because you know they they changed that the that team name so like there is a side that maybe his intent wasn't to hurt people but it's the fact that like this language was just in his you know his dna and, and he didn't realize what he was doing that's kind of like the whole like the bigger issue there's still a lot of people that talk like that and treat people like that and yeah, in their head, they might say like, "I'm not trying to offend you," but like that—that's maybe like the bigger issue. So hopefully, that's like what stuff like this does finally like bring change to. Like, hey, even if you're not thinking that what you're saying is hurting someone, that language is offensive to people, and you basically need to get it out of your vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to get out of here in a minute, but I do have one final thought that maybe you guys can help me, or I don't know what the answer is. When you look at what happened to Gruden, and these emails, I think, went back 10 years, didn't they? And and I think, Jared, you mentioned the fact that the NFL leaked this. Uh, what was the ulterior motive, really, to go after Gruden? I mean, is, do you guys have a clue why he was the chosen one and why it happened right now? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, people speculated that he was, you know, he signed that 10-year contract with the Raiders, and he's only whatever, three or four years in, whatever he is. Right. And people said, like, maybe this was their chance to, like, get out of it, which is kind of weird because, like you Could said, be. Jared, the, the Raiders are basically relevant because Gruden was their coach. So but I just saw people say maybe this is the Raiders trying to get out of that contract. I saw that, too, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it seems like everyone, and and I, I heard it say where it's not cancel culture, it's like it was something along the lines of, like, account, accountable, some sort of thing along the lines of being held accountable. Uh, and it seems like every time that there's somebody who becomes famous or 
some along Gruden, like we're, as soon as the Raiders started winning, this comes out where it, it, there is a motive to it. And like I said, I mean, that's as good of a guess as I have, Matt, was uh, to get out of the contract. I've heard that too. But it is weird timing, but who knows? Maybe somebody who the right person, maybe the right person just saw this and said, you know what, this guy should not be representing the NFL as a head coach. Let's bring him down and went public with it. Maybe that's what happened. That could be simple as that. We don't know, but very, very strange story, and what a fall from grace. I mean, I'll tell you what, both Tampa and uh, the Raiders, they pulled his uh, name down from the Ring of Honor pretty damn quickly, didn't they? <laughs> pulled that down quickly. I saw Madden even, like, pulled his name from all the video games and stuff. So Wow. Yeah. It'll be cur- I'll be curious to see, like, he's probably going to do some sort of statement at some point, maybe. Yeah. So, like, what happens, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Well, he'll leave it in the hands of the lawyers at this point to try and get some of his cash for sure. All right, guys, a great pod as always. It was it was great talking with Reggie again. And for all our listeners, make sure you follow us at Three Point Pod. Also, let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage, and Servicing in Z92.5 The Castle. Before I give my promo, Jared, where are you going to be tomorrow night? We're going to be at uh, Inside Beer Heaven, as I would describe it, which is Frankenmuth, <laughs> Michigan. Frankenmuth versus Garber. Uh, Frankenmuth is 100% legit this year, just like they were last year. You talk about a, a program that's really been humming the radar the last 10, 15 years. It's been Frankenmuth. And, and the reason they've been under the radar is because they do it with just good high school bullet players. There, there's no one on their team that's you know going to play at Michigan. Uh, it's just impressive what they've done, and that's why I love rooting for them because, one, they run an offense that I love, and, two, it's just good homegrown kids that love football and they love playing for their coach. Well, speaking of homegrown kids, uh, live on Z92.5 this Friday, October 15th, our Castle Game of the Week. New Lothrop at Chesanine, a little neighborhood rivalry there. The Hornets obviously coming in uh, the heavy favorite, but uh, they've had a couple chinks in their armor, so you never know. The Indians could come up big there on their home turf. Again, thanks to Reggie Walker at RWALK13. Thanks for him for hopping on with us and bringing us some great conversation in college football. We always really enjoy it when he's on board. But until next time, for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everyone. Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan Chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ MidMichigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.